Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead interview cell writer for CBS Sports, joined today as always by Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we're going live with the Challenge Cup Week 2 recap. Quick reminder to follow us on Twitter for all news and updates at Attacking Third, and you can watch us as video too at youtube.com slash Attacking Third. If you're joining us live, be sure to hit subscribe so that you never miss out on our exclusive interviews or whenever we go live. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Drop us a note in the chat. Tell us which teams you think, uh, you know, about their their performances this weekend and, and who you were supporting and why. Any questions you have for us, we'd like to uh, see what you all got for us in the chat. Lisa, let's get into it. How are you doing? I'm good. I mean, match day two in the Challenge Cup and the first taste we got in the first week, it was just a little snack and we got more this week. We got to see which teams are actually consistent um, in their play, in their tactics, in their formations that they're playing. Uh, we got some new winners. We got some some wins and losses, especially in that West region that we get to chat about. Um, and you, Sandra, how are you? You got to go to that game where you're freezing. You were probably in the press box in Chicago, but holy cow, wind advisory. It was chill. It was chilly. I mean, I actually made a game day decision. I actually didn't end up making it out to oh, the match. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, just ended up hanging out at home. And you know what? It was the best choice, I think, to make for myself. But uh, I don't know. I think when we get into that, we might talk about the conditions and see if they if that had an impact uh, in, in the match. But we had six games take place over this weekend. Uh, we're going to get through all of them right now. Uh, Racing Louisville versus Houston Dash. Washington Spirit versus New Jersey, New York. Gotham FC. Chicago Wrestlers versus Kansas uh, City. And and then Angel City versus OL Rain, North Carolina Courage versus Orlando Pride, San Diego Wave versus Portland Thorns, all 12 teams in action. And you know what? Let's just start getting into it. We are going to chat a little bit about winners and losers this weekend because we had some there. You know, we had a week one where we saw a lot of draws right coming in and out of week one. And then we saw in week two a little bit of a couple come from behind victories. Right. Mm -hmm. For some some clubs this weekend, walking away with some points and some teams who maybe uh, won in, in week one and now suffering their first loss. And then some other teams still racking up a couple draws. But let's hop into it. Let's start off with North Carolina Courage. And Orlando Pride, North Carolina Courage, picking up their second straight win, a shutout in week two. They have six points to lead the entire groups uh, right now in Challenge Cup, uh, whether it's East, West, Central Division, doesn't matter. North Carolina Courage is on top right now. 1-0 win in this one, though, against Orlando Pride. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one, Lisa? 
So before we get too into it, our picks for this one, I had a draw and you had North Carolina winning this one. Um, I think this was a matchup that for North Carolina, could they do it again, right? They came off in, in week one. They got a win and a shutout, the only team to do that in, in match day one. And then Orlando Pride, a team that was pretty good last week in their first week. I think surprising a lot of people. Could they do it again? Do they have the same uh, power going into it? Could Aaron McLeod and goal be just as big of a force? Could they have Jenkins up top and, and LaRue and Marta being so much of a presence? And what I learned from this game is that North Carolina is and Sean Nahas, they are not using this as a rebuild year. They are not using this as a reset. They are going into this season and they are looking to win, frankly. I mean, they they came out guns blazing. Only one yellow card called against North Carolina in this match, which I think is an interesting stat because to kind of a blanket slate for the weekend, 19 yellow cards, two red cards, three penalty kicks. It was a little bit all over the place, but Ultimately, for North Carolina, their goal coming off of one of those three penalty kicks that we saw in the weekend and Merritt Mathias, the outside back for North Carolina, stepping up to bury that, which is also a theme we've seen. It's not always the most assuming players that are are taking these penalty kicks and stepping up, but that's what you should be doing in the preseason, in the Challenge Cup. Um, but I, what I saw is that North Carolina is not messing around this year. They don't want to be seen as a rebuild team. They want to be seen as a team that is really hard to bring breakdown defensively. You cannot just go over the top. They have Ursig and Kurtz in the back line that do a really nice job holding down those offensive players. Um, and, and they're going to be able to score goals, find the back of the net. For you, Sandra, anything stand out to you in, in this match in particular? I mean, North Carolina, two wins in a row. Yeah, I think uh, for this game in particular, I'm looking at the pickets, right? I'm going to use that as a yeah. pearl. I'm going to be looking at Carson Pickett, looking at Kiki Pickett getting a run out, uh, you know, in terms of a start for this North Carolina Kurt side. This is a player that this franchise uh, made a trade for, right? Uh, in terms of that previous uh, trade window that took place in the offseason that sent Sam Mewis to Kansas City and then uh, Kiki Pickett to North Carolina. And, and sort of seeing her play, right, in that high line mm -hmm. with this team uh, in terms of uh, this second season for her right the sophomore year for her in nwsl right after her rookie year last year where we saw her primarily at that outside back position when she did get minutes with kansas city uh, current so watching her be very very active in that front attack alongside players uh you know like uh, taylor smith who again uh, someone who was at the outside back position with the courage and we could sort of see shauna has sort of rotating some players who are just attacking minded players right so whether they were players who formerly were, were sitting out on the flanks or lower out on the flanks uh, these are still players that were used to getting involved in the attack when it came to to courage uh, type of soccer and uh, we're, we're sort of seeing that can that, that continuity uh, as uh, 2020 kicks off mm -hmm. with with challenge cup right so watching Carson Pickett uh, you know getting getting involved in the attack and then having uh, Kiki Pickett uh, you know higher up the pitch there I really liked what they were bringing for this courage side during this when you got Kiki Pickett leading uh, the courage with four shots in this match. You know, you have Carson Pickett leading the team in this match with four chances created. So I really enjoyed uh, the pickets, right, in this game, yeah. <laughs> taking, yeah. taking a look at what they were bringing. But I think when we're looking on the other side of this, right, when we're talking about winners, when we're talking about losers, Lisa, there was a loser in this match. And mm -hmm. we have to take a look at Orlando Pride in week two action. Did you see anything from this Orlando Pride team 
that made you say, okay, they're, they're making adjustments. They're trying to build off of something. Uh, I'm asking you because it's, it's hard to gauge with, with, with this type of match, because I'm not too sure if we saw something where we're looking at a, a transgression, right. You know, something where it's, they're taking that next step to sort of work out those kinks. And I mean, a lot of it can maybe be, we can look at what happened in this match, right. They, mm-hmm. they had Mark that come out of this yeah. match uh, pretty early in that first half. And, and when you see a player like that go down and come out, that can really kind of change some things for a team. It can. It can change the whole uh, dynamic of a team. And because they lost Marta so early on in this match, it they lost their uh, the 31st minute. This is when it happened, which Marta is a 90 minute player. Orlando Pride lost their possessive ability. And because of that, they also couldn't disrupt North Carolina's possessive ability. And after that move happened in, in the last 60 minutes of the game, North Carolina possessed the ball really, really well. And Orlando just couldn't break up that rhythm. They couldn't get a stop to it. I also think that without Marta on the field, we we didn't see as much from Sydney LaRue. Uh, it's very evident that Marta and LaRue have this uh, telepathic relationship where they can find each other. They know exactly where those runs are being made. And LaRue knows how Marta is going to play the ball in over the top. And, and LaRue can run onto it. And when she didn't have her partner in crime, LaRue was invisible throughout this match. And I think that hurt them a little bit. And then you also have other players that are trying to step in with Michaela Clough stepping on for Marta. They're not the same player. So because of that, Orlando needs to shift how they're doing. You can't run the game through Clough like you do with Marta. Clough now just becomes a a complementary player to the whole system that they're doing. And it was evident that Marta really runs the midfield and runs the show and she can keep Orlando in a lot of games, but um, it was rough. I mean, they look good individually, right? When they have their moments, but they couldn't play together as a team. It shook up the team having Marta come out. Yeah, it really, really did. And I think that's what we're going to maybe look for uh, this team moving forward, right? Coming out of now two matches and challenge cup, looking ahead to, uh, you know, week three for them. What's that going to look like, right? Uh, the injury didn't look like it was uh, something easy for Marta to get, get over. It sort of looked like when she went down, it was evident that she was in some pain, um, took a run out again, and and she asked for the sub to come out. You know, it's it's probably pretty serious if a player is asking to be taken out of a game. Uh, but we just saw that. I think you hit the nail right on, on the head there. I mean, we, we just didn't really see a ton on the attacking side mm-hmm. of, of this Orlando Pride te- uh, team and what they could look like when it comes to presenting an offense, right, no. in, in a match. I mean, we're talking about any chances that were creative and yes, Clough came on as a sub, but coming in as a sub that early into, into the game and, and leading your team with chances created, but it was two, it was two chances that were created. Yeah, you know, there's, I know. there's some low numbers here when it comes to, to an attack. So there's, there's, it's still early in the season in general. There's a lot of time here to sort of see what this team is going to, to, to put together and what they're going to look like, right. In terms of their attack moving forward, but it's just, it's gotta be tough knowing, knowing that you're probably going to have to, you know, hit the, the white, board again and the x's and o's yeah. knowing that you're probably going to be without somebody like like a martha it's almost like you you didn't even really get a chance to really get going in in this in this year and now you're maybe going to have to try to make some adjustments this early on yeah i mean looking at stat wise 17 shots for north carolina and seven for orlando pride throughout the entirety of the game and and honestly only one goal from north carolina because mcleod did well in goal with with all of her saves coming up um uh, so it's it's rough right like 
this is probably not what Amanda Cromwell wanted to see from her team and losing Marta, not at all what anyone wants to see is specifically the head coach in, in Cromwell. Now they have to change everything they do. And every single day in training, whether it's an off day, they need to be watching film. They need to be talking tactics about how they can get better. They cannot take a singular off day moving forward. Yeah, let's maybe take a look at uh, O.L. Reign and Angel City when we're looking at uh, winners and losers across uh, the weekend here. Uh, O.L. Reign taking this one 3-1 to one against Angel City. This was a, a match that we had on our radar during the preview when we were looking at matches this weekend to sort of keep an eye on. Um, this was one of the ones that we really wanted to sort of like key in, center in on. And I got to say, I think in terms of the picks, Lisa, did we both go all uh, to the rain with this one we did we did both go rain on this one okay so right on love that right so let's let's we got the pick out the way so let's maybe get into how the rain went ahead and walked away with this victory this was the second consecutive match that uh, angel city got to host mm -hmm. uh you know to start off their challenge cup and listen credit to them uh they absolutely brought it there's a 10 minute window in this game where it just looks like angel city is trying rapidly to get one on the board very, very early. I mean, if there was perhaps, uh, you know, a couple games this weekend that maybe had uh, momentum shift types of games, maybe this is one of those ones amongst the six that we saw. But after that 10 minutes of frantic, uh, you know, attacking pace from, from Angel City, Oh, Rain quickly put that to, to sleep because they ended up getting on the board about 12 minutes in. Just as I talk about a huge momentum swing in this one. This was a huge momentum swing. And, and if we say that and you just happen to look at the stats, yeah, there was a red card in the 31st minute against Savannah McCaskill, which had Angel City playing down a, a woman, a, a player, the rest of the match. However, I don't think that that was the momentum shift. It, it no. really wasn't because it came, later. <laughs> it came later, right? I mean, Angel City had, despite playing with 10 players, they had some good moments of attack, like moments of attack. I think we saw really good things from Tyler Lucy a player that in Angel City's first match, she also did really well. I think having Lucy playing alongside a player like Kristen Press, it's elevating Lucy's game every single day in training. And it is playing very, very strongly in Angel City's favor. She is the only one that gets on the board for Angel City. But you're exactly right. A well rain. They took a bit to get in the game. It wasn't the first five minutes that they were in the attack and, and putting so much pressure on. And actually, Fallon Tillis Joyce, goalkeeper for O.L. Reign, um, she was tested. She had to make some pretty big saves throughout this match, six saves, um, which really kept O.L. Reign in this game. But honestly, it was the goals from O.L. Reign that, that set this going because 12 minutes in, Veronica Latsko gets on the board. And then a center back goal in Alana Cook at the 17th minute. So... Before 20 minutes into this match, Rain are up 2-0 over yeah. Angel City. And then they get the red card against Savannah McCaskill. Um, they go down a player. And there's still 60 minutes of a match yeah. to play. Uh, already losing 2-0. But um, O.L. Rain is so good. And we've talked about this. It's their passing pattern. It's their vision. It's their ability to play against any team and impose their style onto that team. And I think that's because of Laura Harvey. It has to yeah. be. I mean, three-time NWSL coach of the year. She's coming into this squad and she wants to make her mark in the NWSL. Um, but we do, we have to talk about this red card. 
Sandra. <laughs> we do have to talk about it. I mean, look, we're talking about momentum shifts, right? So you could look at this home side and say, okay, they were trying to get one in there really, really. And I don't blame them. You're going up against a team like Oran. You probably want to get on the board quick and early when it comes to this team, right? I'm sure this is a team that a lot of other clubs in the league have circled on their calendar as probably a big fish that they're trying to mm -hmm. land and catch on their own. And this was a very, very early test for a very young franchise uh, in, in NWSL. And unfortunately, it didn't go their way, but it, it, I just don't think it had a ton to do with that red card. When we're talking about this huge momentum shift that took place early in the match, and you're talking about a five-minute window in which O.L. Reign just went ahead. That goal from Lasko in the 12th minute, a goal off a set piece by Alana Cook in the 17th minute, right? And you have this red card that comes later on after the fact in the 31st minute that was issued to Savannah McCaskill and watching it in real time, it made you take a second guess, right? It was yes. one of those red cards where you absolutely knew you're like, I want to see a replay on this. And when you see the replay and it based on the rules of the game, you go, you go studs, studs make contact with uh, the, you know, the shin or the shin guard of another player. That's an automatic red. That's just how the laws are written within the game. And unfortunately I really did feel for Angel City. I felt for Savannah McCaskill, especially because this was a player that we're talking about in that really early 10-minute window of the game to kick off was a player who was immediately trying to connect in the attack, yes. especially alongside Chris and Press, right? They were trying to build that chemistry that they were, uh, that we saw glimpses of kind of in that first game against San Diego. Mm -hmm. So to lose that, that type of player who was this sort of attacking, connecting player uh, for uh, another player like Press, that's huge for, yes. you know, for Angel City. It makes you wonder like what that's going to look like. And then against a team like O.L. Reign, you're like, oh, God, this is going to get worse. I know. You know, and oh. it was tough, too, to watch it on the replay because it's like you see this happening. And I think at that point, and you can speak to this as a defender, I think at that point you're going in for a challenge on the ball, right? And it's so hard to stop your momentum when you're already on the ground in yes. motion, you know? And so to sort of make contact with another player, uh, you know, after, you know, going for, for a ball, it was, uh, it's, it's tough. It's a tough red to sort of take, but in, in the book, it, it is a red. So uh, when I saw it, I, I, on the second replay, I went, okay, I can understand why yeah. a red was issued, you know? Completely. Because when you saw it in real time, it didn't look that bad. It almost just looked like you got cow tipped. You know that you know what that is when like you're standing up yeah. and someone kneels behind you and then they push you over from the front and you fall over backwards. It's not really a trip. They didn't touch you. You fell into them. That's initially what it looked like. So you have to give a lot of credit to the refereeing because they were in the exact right position to be able to see that and make that call because if that wasn't called, there's no VAR. So yeah, it no. would have gone unnoticed and injuries could have happened, but but she was in the right position. Referee was in the right position yeah. to see this and see the foul come in, cleats up, studs up right into the shin. Yeah, that's that's a card. It's a card for sure. And poor yeah. McCaskill, right? Because she's a player that she will give everything. And she knows she's that type of player that can shift the game around and say, okay, we need to get control of this again. We need to get into the attack and, and really be that playmaker on the ball to find those slip passes to press and, and do all of those really impressive things. And then to lose her, it's almost like this team is just trying to get set up with 11 yeah. players on the pitch. And now they have to figure it out with 10. Um, yeah. But, but with all rain, I mean, I think we saw differences in Rose Lavelle getting the start. She, didn't start 
first match out for OL Reign and playing wider than we've seen Lavelle play. Um, I like Lavelle more in the midfield. I think she can cause more trouble in the midfield, but she's such a good player that she can make an impact no matter where she is on the pitch. But having her out wider, I think you lose a little bit of the umph that Lavelle can have in the midfield when she's dribbling and breaking lines and and her vision to be able to keep her head on a swivel and switch the ball from left to right. But I like that Laura Harvey's trying. Now is the time. Try out different formations. See if you can stretch the field, stretch opponents, and, and give players a chance to play in different possessions positions because when you put Sophia Huerta higher up the field, crazy things can happen. So who knows if you put Rose Lavelle out wide, but um, this I is a team that uh, this is a team that ended up playing with a player advantage. Right. And they, yes. they still, they won this game three, one, right. And you still had somebody like Har- Laura Harvey going into post game saying, I'm frustrated by that. Yeah. You know, it just tells you like the, how this team is sort of built mentally going into the 2022 season here. They want more all the time. And her part of her frustration fell in the fact that when Angel City went down, a player that naturally your instinct is to maybe sort of take advantage of that. But she sort of felt that in that second half, things kind of leveled out a little bit in terms of opening up the game and and making adjustments on Angel City side. And we saw that right with Simone Charlie coming in. And we actually had to talk about her for a little bit, really, and sort of showing that Angel City was trying to at least get one back, right? And we started to see all of this this movement from this very, very smart tactical player on the ball and really, you know, helping to get Angel City on the board due to all of her movement and all of her work, right? And Lucy able to be there to just sort of tap it away at the end, uh, you know, so they didn't they didn't walk away with the shutout, you know, but they, they still ended up walking away uh, with the loss. And then obviously sort of seeing that response from Angel City, you had somebody like Laura Harvey say, man, I didn't, I didn't like that. You know, maybe yeah. we sort of, we sort of took the foot off the gas a little bit maybe. And, and, and maybe we didn't take advantage enough of the fact that they, they were down a player. So there was uh, interesting for me to sort of, uh, you know, sort of see that or hear that from this head coach uh, out of this game, you know, even though they did pick up the win. Oh, completely. Bit- because if you're playing up a player and you still give up a goal and you're not, I mean, winning this five, nothing. That's where Laura Harvey is coming from. She's like, okay, we're a man up in every single scenario that we get on the pitch. So we need to be scoring. We need to be taking better chances and, and more clinical shots. But I think that's a testament to what Angel City did. And and you mentioned Simone Charlie, a player that subbed on in this match uh, for Angel City. And she brought a spark. Oh, she yeah. changed things. She definitely did. And Absolutely. with... Charlie and Lucy it's there's something special there but we're only getting small moments of it there's not that much consistency from it yet and that's the beauty of this because it will grow and that will come because we're seeing it already I mean Simone Charlie fantastic player she changed this game she became a threat that OL Reigns back line had to keep an eye on no matter what otherwise she was going to get in behind and get a goal yeah, I think the last thing we'll say maybe on this game, I know there's been a lot of discourse, right? It's red card discourse. I think once that first red one kind of came out, I think that would have invited a lot of, uh, you know, the commentary and the discourse and all of the the debate and back and forth of it, you know. But I think once you sort of look at, at the rules of the game, people are sort of conceding like, OK, it's a rule in the game. Studs on the shin. You're going to get a red. Right. And then there's all those arguments of, of momentum and stuff like that. But I think in the moment, this is the final. And I'll share this here as, as a final thought as we go into sort of the next 
game here. You know, there's there's been a ton of discussion already, and it's only been two weeks of Challenge Cup, right? In terms of the fouls that are being called, you know, yellows that are being issued, and now a red card, right? And and something else that I appreciated that uh, the official on the pitch was like, listen, studs, shin red you're out you know I appreciated it in that moment and I appreciate you know some of these penalties that are actually being issued in challenge cup too and we'll get well that's something that we kind of didn't touch on in that North Carolina courage game but that's how they took the win right a penalty was issued by the official they said hey that was a handball we're calling here's the pen so I'm appreciating players yeah I'm appreciating the uh the uh, these early stages of the officiating I, I think my initial reaction to it was it's still very early days for everybody. So it's the players on the pitch, but that also includes these, these officials, right? So I'm sure as more matches sort of kind of go underway, some things will kind of get ironed out and games will sort of maybe have a little bit more ebb and flow. But I'm I'm here for these calls being issued, these cards being issued. I'd rather have it happen and get control in the game than what we saw in yes. 2021. Because in 2021, we saw a lot of post-match discipline yep. consequences that were issued to players after games have already been decided. So there was, you know, the NWSL disciplinary committee was very, very active last year due to the fact that a lot of fouls, a lot of cards were not issued in game. And you had players getting penalized for that after games were already done and dusted and then being penalized for future games, right? So I'd rather have have it happening in the game, in the moment, and having these officials have the confidence yeah. to be able to call the game by the book yeah. if that's what they are reading the game to be. So exactly. that's my on it. Even calling a, uh, a card after the match is done or appealing a card after the match is done. We saw that a handful of times in, in 2021, but I will say um, it's consistent across yeah. the matches. You can tell that the, the refereeing and the officiating is consistent. I mean, it's not like in, one game every week or one market every week, it's been five or six cards. And then the other markets, it's one or none. It's very consistent. So I like that. It's right. It's player safety comes first. It's these are the rules. And and this is kind of how it goes. And if you're an official and that McCaskill slide tackle happens and you see the studs and your reaction is red card immediately, it's not, I'm going to call it a foul. And then my sideline official is telling me this. And then the fourth is saying this. And then you have the coaches yelling and the fans. No, be confident in your ability as (laughs) as an official, like you're the professional on the pitch and call it out how it is. So I agree. I, yeah. I like what we're seeing. And you know what? If, if an officiating group wants to huddle up together to try to make sure that they're getting them right, yeah. I'm fine with that too. Me too. Me too. That's why you have a crew. That's why you have a crew. But you know what? I'm, I'm appreciating what we're seeing very early in these early couple of weeks from, uh, from the officiating side of things. I, I'm, I'm here for, mm-hmm. you know, for games and, and to be decided in the game, right? Not post game or days after by a uh, committee uh, within the league. Uh, we got one more match to talk to in terms of this segment of winners and losers before we start uh, breaking out into the remainder of the games. But we had to absolutely try to highlight this game before we kind of went into all the other games. Houston Dash versus Racing Louisville. Uh, talk about a comeback. Oh yeah. my goodness. Houston end up taking this victory. They, they literally snatched it away from Racing Louisville. Three to two. They end up picking up their first win of the Challenge Cup, kind of tipping the Central Region group a little bit. We'll sort of let everybody know how things are kind of shaking out. But in this match, you had Racing Louisville of two goals 
heading into halftime on this one. The goals for Chrissy Davis and then Jessica McDonald with a very crafty volley. Great goals from Racing Louisville. Sort of felt like the type of game in hand that you could sort of go into that second half and maybe try to dictate tempo a little bit, try to come out with a result at the very least. But Maria Sanchez and the Houston Dash had different ideas in this one, Lisa. I love watching Maria Sanchez play. I love it. She is so fun on the ball. And we only got really, really small moments of it in the first match of Houston against Chicago when they played last week. But this player on the same page as the other forwards around her in Rachel Daly and Prince groom, even underneath of her Chapman coming in behind, they know that they can just find Sanchez the ball and she'll somehow get through two, three defenders, four defenders, send a cross in. That's wicked because when she crosses the ball, she crosses them, uh, technically like she's shooting the ball she uses her laces she lands on her kicking foot which allows her to get so much power behind it which is honestly how that first goal happened with veronica latsko because the ball was just crossed in on such a rope that even if it hit off a defender it was going to redeflect into the goal and that's a smart soccer player in sanchez because she can recognize that i just need to get this into the mix get in line and do that it's also we talked about Marta going out in the Orlando game and McCaskill in Angel City. Emily Fox exiting this match in the 29th minute. Oh, this this was hard. And I this this also changed things for racing Louisville in yep. a good way. I yep. think that it changed things in a very, very good way for them um, because they were able to score another goal coming in. Lester coming in yeah. for Emily Fox. And there's no one really that can replace Emily Fox, but that's not what Racing Louisville did. They just shifted their mindset into team defense. And now Lester is going to defend, and that's how she's going to match up against Prince. Um, and it worked out really well for Racing Louisville because they get on the board first with Kirsten Davis in the 16th minute, and then Jess McDonald, her opening end of or racing Louisville NWSL career. She gets a goal with the new club. Um, this was it. I also, in our pregame for this, Sandra, we talked about our rookies to watch and Jalen yeah. Howell was my big rookie to watch in yeah. this match for racing Louisville, because in the first match for racing, she didn't do too much. She was hidden, maybe a lot of pressure on her to kind of perform well. I think she did a much better job throughout this match. She was much more involved in the game. Defensively, she was making big stops and disrupting Houston's transition. She matched up with Groom a lot. She was able to win the ball and spread it out wide. I'm mostly talking the first 45 minutes as well. But I I liked what I saw from Howell offensively in the first 45 a lot. I'm so glad you brought that up from the preview when we were uh, sort of highlighting rookies to watch over week two because we talked about that and we were also making our picks alongside talking about previewing these matches. And we, I think at one point I said on the preview, I said, listen, I'm with you. I'm going to be keeping an eye on Jalen Howell too. That's also, that's a rookie that we're both going to be watching. And I think she's going to have an impact in a loss for this team. And it ended up shaking out that way. You can still have a strong individual performance, even though your club is coming out on the losing end, uh, you know, of a result. And that's ended up kind of ended up what happening, right? We saw 
a player like Jess McDonald and who she is and what she can bring to a team like Louisville, right? You can see that this is a player that this team is responding to in terms of her professionalism, her leadership on and off the pitch. And then not only that, she's going out there and doing what they brought her in here to do, which is scoring goals and setting up players to teammates to, to score goals as well. Right. And then to sort of have this immediately shift, right. No one ever wants to say that, you know, it's all about one player, right? Because soccer is a team sport. But if we're over here praising a player like Maria Sanchez, who turned it on and really took over this game for the dash, you got to wonder if losing a player like Fox really sort of shifted some things on that back line for Louisville. This is is not the first time where we saw, uh, you know, some defensive breakdowns for this racing Louisville side, you know, or maybe a little bit of a mental lapse in terms of falling into a a lull a little bit and sort of uh you know getting taken advantage of in, in that sense and then you have a player a crafty player like maria sanchez able to recognize that and take a look yeah. at these 1v1 matchups that she has and just make that team pay right you know player of the match right player of the week in my opinion to be quite honest i mean i don't think that ash have this type of come from behind win if you don't have a player sort of have this mentality where they're going to take over and we sort of saw that in Sanchez and we sort of saw that a little bit too in in somebody like a a Rachel Daly who was trying to work on things on the opposite side of that right so uh, getting that penalty late in the game again another one issued this weekend and you had the captain and Rachel Daly converting that yeah all of a sudden Houston Dash took this one away snatched that win Completely. And and you talked about all of the different mentalities and, and player personnel stepping up, which was huge. And that is what happened. But James Clarkson shifted things at halftime. He moved his players around. He opened up his formation. He realized it wasn't working. He has had Sophie Schmidt, who has been a namestay in that sixth defensive midfield position, especially throughout 2021. She does so well there. He has slotted her into the back line along with Katie Naughton, the last, the first match and then the first 45 minutes. They don't work well together. Katie Naughton and Sophie Schmidt are almost too similar in their vision of the field and being able to play those long balls. That's how Racing Louisville got that first goal. It was a mispass between those two and Kirsten Davis for Louisville attacking and capitalizing on that. So in the second half, James Clarkson, he slides Schmidt back up to her preferred position I'm going to say my preferred position for her in the defensive midfield as a six and she slide and they slide Julia Ashley in the back line with Katie Naughton now Katie Naughton can lead defensively yeah. and be the veteran in the back line and Julia Ashley can follow that's that's really what you need you yeah. can't have two center backs that are experienced veteran leaders yeah. that are really running the show and that's what they had with Schmidt and Naughton so after that change it opened things up in the midfield because Schmidt now being higher up the field, she can join in more of the attack. She can play those balls into Sanchez and she can find daily and she can push groom higher up the pitch, but having Schmidt higher up changed everything for Houston. And it just was a ripple effect throughout every single player down the pitch. I hope we see Schmidt in the midfield moving forward. I think that's something that they're going to have to maybe take a look at, pay attention to a little bit. I think they're noticing kind of the glaring hole that that's mm-hmm. leaving and moving a player like Schmidt back lower into that center back position alongside Naughton. I mean, we're looking at these last two games for, for the dash specifically. And yes, what a thrilling come from behind match, right? But that's a tall ask of your team to try to come from behind so epically 
um, you know, for, for other matches down the stretch in the future, right? Uh, mm-hmm. It's tough to chase a game, especially at the pro level. And uh, I, I'm curious to see if any adjustments are going to be made for this team moving forward. I'm, I'm already even looking further ahead into the year, you know, and and, and curious to see if, if this is a team that's going to take advantage of a trade window down the stretch to try to maybe boost up their midfield a little bit, right? I, I think a lot of questions were, uh, you know, around this this Houston Dash midfield when they ended up losing a player like Kristen, Christy Muse, right? Losing, uh, 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 using a, a, a player like uh, to, to retirement, right? And, so, and somebody like Gabby Seiler, you know, mm-hmm. sort of sort of having these these big pieces, uh, connecting pieces of a, uh, in that middle third, no longer part of the mix, Right. So we'll see what happens with Houston Dash. It was a thrilling win for them, though. I'm sure they're going to take it no matter how they get it. Oh, yeah. So congrats to them. Congrats to Maria Sanchez. Uh, La Bombi has arrived to NWSL. <laughs> so congrats to her. We've- Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Got some more matches that we need to get through for week two action, and we're going to do that right now. But first, we want to welcome a brand new podcast to the CBS Sports family. And Soccer We Trust covers soccer from a U.S. perspective. Join host and former USMNT teammates Jimmy Conrad, Charlie Davies, and Heath Pierce as they bring you a mix of expertise and passion on all things soccer in the United States. You can download and follow in Soccer We Trust on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to this podcast. Men's World Cup qualifiers continue tonight. USA versus Panama. You can watch ISWT live on YouTube after that match. Lisa, they can clinch tonight. There's yes. a couple scenarios going on there, right? There are a couple scenarios. If they win, they clinch. I believe that's it. But honestly, head over, watch Jimmy Heath, Charlie Davies, because 
they'll cover it. They're doing live. They're going live right after the U.S. men's national team match tonight. So head on over to In Soccer We Trust YouTube page and watch them live. Join in their chat just like we do here. It's pretty fun. Um, they're they're great guys, all former players, so they know the game. So go USA men tonight. Go USA men. Let's keep talking about some of these comeback wins, right? Kansas City Current had themselves one over Chicago Red Stars 2-1. Uh, Kansas City continuing their journey on the road, right? They opened the Challenge Cup uh, out against Racing Louisville. Then they headed over to Chicago for their second Week 2 match. And they went down early in this one, down in the first half, 1-0. But really sort of put a sleeper hold a little bit on Chicago Red Stars. And all of a sudden, just sort of took over a little bit. We're talking about strong individual performances. I think in this one, we had our eyes on Haley Mace, right? Coming through, helping Kansas City pick up that win. Their first win in the Central region and really a win that kind of continued to topple this Central division. I think the Central division is one to keep an eye on. I don't think a lot of people expected maybe some of this chaotic energy, but I'm enjoying it, quite frankly, because now you've got Kansas City on top of the group in the Central and Houston Dash now in third with their recent win over Louisville. What did you uh, take away from this match, Lisa? Heard you on the call, buddy. Yeah, I was there, Sandra, you know, doing what I can. Um, yeah, the weather came into effect for this one, I'm going to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, Haley Mace, she got the opening goal for Kansas City and she got the assist to Kristen Hamilton. This is a player that a defender, right? I mean, we called out Alana Cook in, in OL Rain. We got another defender in Haley Mace making really big moves against this Chicago team. Um, overall, this match started with Chicago, though, because Vanessa DiBernardo getting on the board first for the Reds stars in the 22nd minute um this changed things a little bit for chicago i think chicago had a lot of good movement off the ball i mean mallory Pugh is really good mallory Pugh is a really good player she's really fun to watch she's so dynamic um there the forwards play between nagasato stevens uh Pugh, and then colaprico di bernardo on in behind those that front line wasn't as big of a threat as it was the first week. I think that Kansas City defensively did a nice job to kind of limit Chicago's movements off the ball because they didn't let Mallory Pugh float around. They always kept an eye on her. And by doing that, it doesn't allow her the freedom to pop into those holes and to receive the ball without pressure. Now, Mallory Pugh's still gotten behind and she was still really dangerous, <laughs> but like that, you're never going to stop that. I and every that coach, every coach knows that. I mean, chatting with Matt Potter before this match, it's he's like, okay, well, it's, Mallory Pugh is going to do what Mallory Pugh does. Can we just limit that? Can we make yeah. sure she doesn't get the ball as much as she usually would? Or when she does get the ball, it can't just be a 1v1 defensively. Kansas City needs pressure cover balance, meaning they need one person pressuring the ball. They need a second defender covering that initial first defender in case Pugh gets by. And then a third defender as that balance, balancing out the first two defensive plays. That way it's even and overlapping runs. There's cover for it and, and the player doesn't have to leave Pew. So defensively, I think that's what Kansas City was focusing on in this match, how they could slow down uh, the players up front. Um, we also saw the a lot of rookies again for Kansas City, which is what yep. they did in their first match, um, playing pretty tough against a Chicago team that does well. Chicago, though, suffering a big loss in their back line without Tierna Davidson. That was that's a loss. I mean, yep. head coach Chris Petroselli said he built his entire defense around Davidson, and without her, you have a player in Kayla Sharple stepping in that honestly, I think did a pretty nice job. You can't compare yeah. them. It's like apples and oranges, but I think Sharples did 
uh, did really well to control yeah. between Malazzo and Morris in the back line and be that pivot player and be the, the one that drops back and can provide the cover for both of them. Um, but moving forward, I think that uh, like moving forward in terms of having the ball in possession and looking to move down the pitch, Tierna Davidson does a better job of finding those slot passes out of the back and Sharples more defensively focused throughout this match, which is honestly what she needed to do against yeah. Kansas City. Ultimately, though, Kansas City coming out on top, it was the late goal in the 86th minute from Hamilton that it was a breakdown defensively. She sat between Sharples and Morris in the back line and no one picked her up and Hamilton able to get on the board. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, when we're talking about the comebacks that took place in, uh, over the weekend of this league, and when we're looking at Kansas City against Chicago, right? We're hearing in the post game, or the, even the in the pregame, right? When you're talking, at least when you're on some of these calls with coaches in the post game, in this one, you know, hearing from Chris Petroselli, or even hearing from somebody like an Aaron White, where they felt like they had this game, and they they were the ones that that let it go. Uh, so the Red Stars mm-hmm. feeling like they didn't capitalize on their opportunities, that they had a game in control and they, they allowed that to slip away. But that's credit to Kansas City and how they sort of kind of l- sort of sang a little bit of a lullaby to this Red Stars uh, team, kind of put them to sleep at some point. And boom, all of a sudden yeah. you had this team equalize. You know, we that, that first equalizing goal, that banger from from Haley Mace, you know, came off of a, of a throw in, a poorly defended throw in. The Red Stars had a failure to clear and low Labanta able to recognize a player out in space like hey like Haley Mace who just took advantage of that right and just let this just laces through a ball just right on target sliced through everybody including Alyssa Nair and that's just a hard goal for anybody to say I mean all of a sudden you're you once you have a level game like that it kind of hits the reset button a little bit and maybe a goal like that kind of jolts a team into presenting themselves like oh we're in the soccer game now like let's go let's go let's go and I think that that's what they did a little bit for this Kansas City current side when we were watching it kind of unfold in real time right and when we're talking again highlighting strong individual performances this is absolutely a Haley Mace game it had her uh, you know had her sort of fingerprint her footprint I should say all over it right a player with three shots you know one on target she created a couple chances of her own for for this team in this match and we knew that this team was going to look a little bit different missing somebody like a Lynn Williams right and it was a completely different kind of energy in the attack from this Kansas City side. It's a little bit different in terms of, you know, crosses inside of the box that we saw last week. You're talking what was it 24 25 26 something crosses and you're talking about like 11 this time from (laughs) Kansas City Kurt it was just again a windy night you're gonna see a different type of energy from these teams right but I love a good comeback uh you know and I think for this one I think I had a draw right I think you went with Chicago on this one so us uh, Kansas City both wrong I think in this one so they get the win and they get to sit on top of the central region for now and uh we'll see how it shakes out right next week and how things look then, but we still have another game to get through. Let's talk a little bit about San Diego taking on Angel City. Lisa, 
talk to me about your wave here because I think you had them picked, right? I did. I did. So San Diego versus Portland in this matchup. Um, I did have San Diego winning this one. And even when the starting lineups came out for Casey Stoney and for this squad uh, for San Diego, I was excited to see that Alex Morgan will be starting up top along with Sophia Jakobsen. And they had Dahl Camper in the back with McGrady and Gurma, yep. um, Turnbo, Johnson. I was like, okay. Casey Stoney is here to play oh, yeah. She's here to put a lot of pressure on Portland. And I, I think that we saw a Portland team that makes no mistakes, right? This was an yeah. opening goal from Portland oh in the fifth minute. So five minutes in, it's a beautiful team goal. It starts defensively so to win the ball to Smith, to Sinclair out wide back in Quika sending the cross in. So Quika, who this is, I mean, Rain Wilkinson has to be really happy with what she's doing formationally because she's going with a three, five, two because of that. She has Klingenberg and Quika as the, the extra two in the midfield, making up that five defensively, they drop back and they squeeze in. So it's almost like a five back when uh, San Diego wave was attacking, but their main role between Klingenberg and Quika is to push forward, occupy the space in the flanks, stay wide. You will never see Klingenberg and Quika press in tighter than like the 18 yard boxes. They stay wider of those boxes, occupying that space and, and creating those numbers up opportunities. And that's what burned San Diego going down that flank. I think we saw exposure and, and, a team that has been together for one game so far. Um, and then a team in Portland Thorns that have had so much success together between Quika, Smith, and Sinclair up top. These players know each other so well. And the passing sequences, it was really good. But I don't think that San Diego Wave gave up. I mean, they didn't give up. They continued to put pressure on, you know. continued to find the back of the net. We saw moments where things were really good when Jakobsen gets the ball wide and she can cross it in. The combination play between Johnson and Alex Morgan. There was there were good moments throughout this, this match. Yeah. Portland coming away with the win. I thought for a second there maybe we we're going to see this love a lot. I, I Listen, mm -hmm. I love a, a beautiful team goal, and I love that we got treated to one so early in this year from the Portland Thorns. Just the give and go between every single player leading up to the final, uh, you know, the final piece, the resistance, you know, getting it, slotting it through the back of the net. It was delightful, and it was early enough to where you thought, oh, geez, are more of these going to come down the pipeline, right? But all of a sudden, we're like looking ahead, right, to, to almost, you know, have halftime and all of a sudden it just went from you know oh are we gonna see more of this are we gonna see portland thorns just sort of run up this run up the middle of san diego yeah. uh and get another goal or two before halftime but all of a sudden this turned into a little bit of a goalkeeper battle and you know what i love that when a when a game unexpectedly turns in to a keeper's game we had kaylin sheridan and we had abby smith getting tested on both ends of this pitch and really just sort of maintaining, you know, helping to maintain the tempo a bit of the match for both of these teams on either side. And I think when you're looking at Kaylin Sheridan, you're reminded of all the reasons why a team like the wave went ahead and engaged in a trade to ensure that they got the goal 
goalkeeper that they wanted to have anchoring their team in the back line, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then you had Abby Smith coming in and getting tagged with the start, right, over Bella Bixby, right? Someone who came off of that week one who was, you know, we heard uh, during the game was uh, someone who wasn't going to get this start but was, you know, part of that goalkeeper in union saying essential in getting Abby, helping Abby Smith yeah. get up to task uh, for this one. But Abby Smith getting in there and, and making uh, sure that uh, – <laughs> The Thorns went ahead and kept that lead, quite frankly, right? Because there's some pretty impressive attacking pieces that we're starting to see kind of shine a little bit from San Diego Wave. But uh, it ends up being Portland Thorns keeping this one 1-0 one all the way, locking up the three points. Yeah, I think that we also saw good things from Korniak for San Diego. And she had a shot early on right off the crossbar. Um, I think that Gurma and Tegan McGrady in the back line for San Diego, there's promising vision there for them. But there's still work that needs to be done. Um, it, there's still work. There's still work. Because going up yeah. against a team like Portland Thorns, they they know what to do. They know how to get in behind. I'm actually surprised it was only one nil draw. Yeah. After this one, I'm surprised that San Diego didn't get one towards the end. Like you mentioned, they, they were knocking on that door, but not this week. Nope. Last one we got to talk about, Lisa, and we saved this one for last because there was actually some off the pitch spice that unfortunately overshadowed the actual game. Washington Spirit versus New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. And this was a match that uh, also ended uh, in a draw, right? The two teams who were going into this game trying to build off of what they did in week one. Washington Spirit, scoreless draw from week one. Gotham FC on the end of a loss, kind of looking for some answers going into this week and now walking away with another one, one draw or another draw, I should say, but each team getting on the scoreboard. There were some moments of spice happening on the pitch a little bit as both of these teams were kind of jockeying for a position early on Gotham FC going up first. So, and I think we should talk about that in itself. We're looking at this Gotham FC side, welcoming, uh, you know, Christy Mewis officially right into the fold we're seeing this player that they also made a move for to sort of bulk up uh you know their chances down the stretch of a playoff push hopefully and uh we saw margaret purse a little bit more active i think in yeah. this game was essential uh to really this penalty that took that that was issued in this first one uh smart for me i i didn't hate it at all i thought it was great i i think when you have a player uh, you know, who is in the box and has the presence of mind to say, you know what, is someone putting their arms around me right now? Let's just see what's going to happen. And guess what? A penalty got called. Uh, called uh, called on the young, young Trinity Rodman uh, for a foul in the box. And then you had Christy Mewis step up and put this one away. But that was the uh, only goal for, for Gotham in this one, Lisa. It was. And you mentioned Margaret Purse. She's the one that drew this foul against Rodman in the box. And if this happened anywhere else on the pitch, and if this happened last year, I don't think Purse would have fallen. This is the intelligence of Purse growing. I mean, it was a foul. It was a foul. Yeah. However, Purse sold it. And why no, not? Nothing wrong with that. Why not? Because inside the box, it was a foul. You're going up against Rodman, who everyone knows that Rodman has a hot head. You can get her fired <laughs> up. You can get her pissed off in a match like this, and it can change the game for you. Um, it didn't in this case, but I think that this was a, a good call. It was a penalty kick. And then Christy Mewis slotting it away. This was, I mean, I liked it. I liked what we saw from Christy Mewis throughout this match. This was a very interesting game, though, because um, – 
Ashley Hatch did not start. There was no Emily Sonnet. So Amber Brooks in the back line for Washington Spirit. And Amber Brooks actually ending up with two yellows in this match. She gets a red card. So she's out for the next game. This is There was just like a lot of moving parts heading into this one. I think that Washington had a lot better ball movement and possession um, in this match than they did this than they did in their first week of play. They did a really nice job with that. Um, but their ball movement was good. They had good runs off the ball. I think Trinity Rodman was working really, really hard throughout this match, making sure she gets back. Uh, but then it, the substitutes coming in at halftime, it's Ashley Hatch, and she's the one that gets the equalizer. Yep. It was a really good shot. No wonder she was golden boot winner in 2021. It, it was 61st minute. And a beautiful volley from Hatch. But um, a lot of drama off the pitch between these two sides going at it, uh, which I like the friendly rivalry. Honestly, we need more of this in the NWSL. I don't know about needing more of it. I just was like, okay, like this is a thing that's happening. And uh, I don't know. I think if the admins need to take some time for the weekend, because a lot of this was spearheaded by things that were posted on social media and you have players now reacting to uh, choices uh, that people are making to, you know, put on on online. But I mean, I think people like to see some of the spiciness, right? You know, we saw, uh, you know, a photo get put up and we saw uh, a player in Ashton Harris react to that. We saw Bradley Krieger react to it. Trinity Rodman reacting to it. McCall Zerboni reacting to it. So uh, we got two teams that ended up walking away with points on this day, but are still throwing around, uh, you know, a little bit of banter on the social media channel. So I think this is just maybe setting up the stage for the next time these two teams meet. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm going to keep my eye on when the next time Washington Spirit and Gotham FC end up going head to head. And I'm sure everyone else is going to be <laughs> tuned in yeah. to when those two teams play again because they're going to play again once more. Again, there's six games that take place in, in these group stages for all of these players there's all these clubs in challenge cup but that's it that's a wrap on week two action in challenge cup thank you all so much for joining us we appreciate you all so so much don't forget men's world cup qualifiers continue tonight usa versus panama you can check out in soccer we trust live on youtube right after that match shout out to everybody for joining us today live follow us on twitter at attacking third for more we're on apple Podcasts, spotify stitcher anywhere you listen to your podcast shows Leave us a five-star review on Spotify. And if you have any questions for us, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a question, and we'll answer it during one of our mailbag segments. We're also available as videos. Subscribe to us at youtube.com slash attacking third. And we'll be back on Wednesday with uh, some power rankings and news and notes across NWSL for Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman. This was Attacking Third. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 